Thanks again for joining us this morning. Today we're finishing up our series of messages called Your Best Vacation Ever. It wasn't a series that I was expecting to put to, uh, to do, but one that God put on my heart a few weeks ago and God's been using in our lives. And what we've been talking about is what would have your best vacation ever look like? We've talked about it looks like four things. Planning, disconnecting, rehydrating, and sharing. And over the last three weeks, we've covered those first three topics. And today, we're kind of wrapping up this series with a message called Share. But as we start this morning, I have some news for you. Some really important news. And that is this. You've been cheated. Some of you who are here, some of you who are listening online, you have been cheated from routine seasons of rest that you have taken away from yourself thinking, I don't need it, I can kind of do it another time, I can do it later, I can manage okay without it. And you've cheated yourself out of the rest that God has wanted to give you. Earlier in this series, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how you know, we as Americans, we tend to put a priority on taking a few days away on vacation. And I talked about how the number one destination for Americans, and especially those in the desert, is the beach, right? And how many of us go off for a few days. But what I didn't tell you, what I wanted to save to share with you today is this. That is that we as Americans, even though we take maybe a day or two here and there on vacation, we do a very poor job of vacationing. In fact, Americans are dubbed by many other nations in the world as the no-vacation nation. Have you, ever, have you heard of this? We're actually known as the no-vacation nation many, by many industrialized nations of the world because we have very, relatively few national holidays and we take fewer vacation days than any other nation of people in the world. We're the only advanced economy that has no national vacation law. And most industrial countries require their employers to give their employees at least four weeks of paid vacation. Did you know that? Almost every other nation in the world. In fact, Finland, Brazil, and France require that their employers give their employees at least six weeks off every year. Paid. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the United States, there is no vacation law at all of any kind. You're basically left to whatever your employer decides he wants to bless you with. Now, there was a president about 100 years ago who tried to do something about this. It was a guy, very famous guy. I'm sure you've heard of him, right? William Howard Taft. One of the things he was known for is he tried to fix this. He tried to say, we need to have a few weeks of vacation that is required for employers to give employees. And it went great in the nation, but then everybody in the nation thought it was great, but then the Congress got a hold of it. And somehow they managed to, they always managed to muck things up, right? They decided, they basically gutted the bill and then there was no vacation time left for us. And today, a fourth of American workers get no paid vacation time whatsoever. And those are typically people who are in the lower wage income bracket. And for those who do get it, those who do manage to to work hard enough and long enough to be able to, to get vacation time from their employers, typically the average is only 10 to 14 days a year. Now, CNN did a a piece on this not too long ago. And one of the people that they interviewed was a German guy who, by the way, this German guy, six weeks vacation plus holidays every year. This is what he had to say about Americans. He said, Americans work like robots. And if that's the way they want to be, that's up to them. Germans work very hard, but then they take their holiday and they really relax. It's more than just making money for Germans. It's about having time for your family, and it's about having time to wind down. Now, many American companies, they try to offer vacation time to attract or to hold on to us. But here's the thing. With this ever faster pace that we continue to find ourselves in in our culture today, 
we, are, we often find it difficult to step away and even use the vacation time we have. We tell ourselves, well, if I stay away too long from my job, then I'm going to have too much work piled up, so I can't take that long of a time away. Or if I take time away, what is my boss going to think of me? What are my fellow employees going to think? They're going to think I'm kind of taking advantage of the system by actually taking my vacation days that I'm paid to take. So I, I can't really take them. I, there's too much going on at the office. Maybe next year or the next I, I can do that. And this, this is where we've cheated ourselves. Half of Americans do not use the vacation days that they are given every year. Half. And the ones we do take, so oftentimes we do it on call, taking our laptops and our work with us while we're on vacation. And the effect that it's having, I don't even have time to get into today. But there are multiple studies that you can find online that I've even read through here in recent weeks that talk about how among those who don't routinely take seasons of rest, heart attack rates are much higher among them, and also levels of depression are much, much higher among those who don't take seasons of of rest away from their jobs and the stresses of their homes to relax and to rest and to reconnect with God. We convince ourselves that everything is fine, that we don't need them, and we do so to our own harm. Now, through this series, we have learned something incredibly, incredibly important, and that is this. This is not how God wants us to live. It's not. When we look at Leviticus 23, we started there in the very first week. What we saw in Leviticus 23 was that God said to the entire nation of Israel, He said, I want you to take a day off from your jobs every single week. I want you to consider it a Sabbath day. I want you to consider it holy. I want you to consider it separate, set apart, and use that time to rest. But beyond that, that was just the beginning couple of verses of Leviticus 23. Then there's this whole chapter where God lays out these holidays for the nation of Israel. And he explains to them, I want you to take these days off from your jobs, from your routines, your daily routines, and rest. Because you need it. You don't just need a day off once a week. You need seasons of your life where you disconnect from the busyness of your lives and you connect with me in a fresh and new way. And one of the amazing vacations or the amazing holidays that God created way back in Leviticus was this vacation season called the Festival of Shelters, which is what we've been talking about. We've been basing this series off of this. It's also called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingathering. But here's what the, the gist of this feast was or this festival was. It was God saying, listen, guys, every year at a certain time of year when the harvest is in and every, all the work is done, I'm going to require you. It's not optional. I'm going to require you to take a week off. Not only will I tell all of you, in the, in, they, it was always in September, October time frame. Not only would the entire nation of Israel take a holiday for a week and they would not go to their jobs, jobs would close up. They couldn't even go home, right? God commanded them, you can't even go home. You need to go somewhere. Just go somewhere. Build a shelter somewhere and live under it for a week. But get away from the stresses of job, your job. Get away from the stresses of your home and rest and relax. And that's where the, when the Festival of Shelters came to be. Now, we ha, we've learned through this series that there are four things, there are four R's that we get from this, from this time of vacation, what God wants us to get from this time of vacation. Number one is rest. Number two is to rejoice, to enjoy those that we love when we're away. The third thing is to reflect, 
to spend time reflecting on what God's doing in our lives. And the fourth thing is to regain perspective. Because so oftentimes, when we're in the business of our day-to-day lives, our perspective just gets a little bit off. And we miss what God is wanting to try to say to us or do through our lives. And so these seasons, if we take full advantage of them, we can rest and relax and rejoice with our families. But we also reflect and regain some perspective with God. Last week, we talked uh, about the importance of making that time away to reflect with God. Just carving out an hour or two, if if nothing more, on our vacation time to really hear from God and reflect on our lives. And last week, if you were here, I gave you a little flyer that kind of gave you some questions you could wrestle with during your vacation time. For those of you who missed last week, I stuck it in your programs again today so that you could have that. In fact, if if you weren't here last week, take that flyer home with you. In fact... When you get home, find your suitcase wherever it is and stick it in it and make sure it's there so it's there next time you go on vacation. And you can ask these questions between you and God that are there. Now, we can do all these things that we've talked about through this series. We can plan well, as we talked about in week one. We can plan well to make sure we're having these seasons of rest and that we're hearing from God while we're gone. We can disconnect. We can disconnect from our jobs, which is hard sometimes, but we can do it. We can disconnect from our jobs. We can disconnect from the business of our normal day-to-day lives and rest. We can disconnect from the technology that constantly is distracting us from our families. We can rehydrate. We can spend time in God's presence and hear from God in a fresh and new way. We can do all those things. But if we come back home, if we come back from our vacation and we enter right back into the day-to-day business of our lives and we don't share with others and with God, what we've learned from that time, then guess what? Our vacation time is nothing more than just an extended escape from our normal, busy day-to-day lives. God intends for us to use this vacation in part to hear from Him and learn what it is that He's saying to us about how we can live lives that are more fulfilling, more energizing. And as we do that, if we come home and we share with God what our vacation has meant to us. And most importantly, if we share with others what we've learned from that time, not only do we bless others who hear what we've learned, but we bless ourselves because we plant plant plant, uh, we share with others how they can hold us accountable, how they can remind us when we get back into the day-to-day business of life, those things that we've, those promises that we've made to God so that we don't lose those in the weeks and months that follow. Today I want us to look at this whole idea of sharing with God and with others what we learned from our time with Him. Uh, We're going to look at Psalm 116. I'm going to encourage you to turn there in your Bibles if you haven't already. Psalm 116. And um, what we're going to see is, we talked about this, in fact, earlier in this series. Psalms 113 to 118 were a series of six psalms that were set apart or set aside for the festival shelters or this extended vacation time that the nation of Israel had every year. So every year, every year, during this, this holiday time, when they would go to the temple, these psalms would be sung or read in the services as a way to remind them of God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's answer to prayer. So this morning, I just want us to focus on one of these psalms that they would look at every vacation season, Psalm 116, and see what God, can te- what God, God wants to say to us about resting, about praising God and thanking Him for His goodness in our lives and sharing with others what we learn from those times away. Let's look at Psalm 116. As we do that, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that as we spend some time in your word, that you would just pull all this together for us. Lord, for some of us, this whole idea of rest is easy. 
But there are many of us who are here today and we do not do this well by our own admission. We struggle with taking that time. And not only taking the time, but truly hearing from you as we do. God, would you just not only excite us to take these times away, but Lord, would you excite us to hear from you as we do. Lord, help us to see the value of these seasons of rest and to not shortchange them. In Jesus' name, amen. In fact, you know, as I read this psalm, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to put yourself in a place where you can truly hear the words that God has to say to you this morning from this psalm. So maybe for you it's holding your Bible and reading the words along with me. Maybe it's looking at them on the screen. Maybe it's closing your eyes entirely and just saying, God, I just want these words from your scripture to wash over me this morning. But whatever you need to do, do that this morning so that you can allow God to speak in and through your life this morning as I read this. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. And then I, I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all that he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. O oh Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord in the presence of all of his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Here is what we know about this psalm. This psalm was recited, it was sung in the temple during the festival of shelters, during this week-long extended vacation. And they did this. They, they read and they, they sang these psalms, Psalms 113 to 18, 118, as they came to the altar and they offered uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving to God. They would come up during these services and offer these sacrifices of thanksgiving to praise God and to thank Him for His goodness in their lives. I can see why... This psalm was so important to them to read during this, this festival time, during this extended vacation time. Because what we see here is this psalm writer, um, he, he's going through a lot of stress and a lot of trials. And he's reminding himself and he's reminding everyone else that God is merciful and God is gracious and God answers prayer. And it's a great way to regain perspective in life as we reflect on things like this during seasons of our lives. 
And here's what I saw as I read Psalm 116. There's so much that's there where God, he's uh, being thankful to God and he's expressing through story what God's done in his life in the past. But there are three places in this psalm where he kind of brings it around. There are three places where he brings encouragement. He reminds himself and he reminds all those who read this psalm what they are to do with what, this, what God has done in their lives. And I want us to find those three things this morning. Maybe you, even as you heard it read, you were kind of picking up on these three things. The first one that I see is in, Psalm, in, in, is in Psalm 116 is in verse 7. Notice what verse 7 says. It's basically telling us that we always need to guard these extended times of rest in our lives. As the psalmist says, let my soul be at rest again. Let my soul be at rest again. Notice he's not just saying to these people as they're on this vacation time, he's not just saying go and have fun, go and relax, although that's important. He's not just saying be, go and physically rest. Let my, let my body physically rest again. He's saying no. He's saying let my soul be at rest again because I'm emotionally weary and tired and I need to remind myself of the importance again and again and again to rest And why? Why does he tell us to rest? What does it say? Because the Lord has been good to me. In in the message paraphrase of these two verses, verses 7 and 8, I just love how it words it. It says, I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. Soul, you've been rescued from death. I, you've been rescued from tears. And you, foot, were kept from stumbling. Because God is always there, stepping in whenever we need him to. I'm reminded once again as I read this psalm that I must depend on God and not myself in life. I'm reminded that my needs may never all be met by me or even all those who are around me. I'm reminded that there are things in my life that I can't always control. I'm reminded that if I truly unwind from the stresses of life for a season, I'll get a better picture of what God is doing in my life. I'll get a bigger, better picture of God's working in and through my life. And I'll get some perspective from God on what He wants to see about how He wants to use me in the days, weeks, and months ahead. If I come home with this new commitment to God, if I come home from my vacation time and I've identified a thing or two that God has been showing me, God's been impressing on my heart that he wants me to do differently. If I, if I come home with that new promise, that new commitment to God, but then I just enter right back into the day-to-day life, into the busyness and hecticness of work and home, all the stresses that are there, it's so easy to lose track of those promises. To lose track of those commitments that we make to God. To lose track of the perspective that God has given us. And to just enter right back in to the craziness of day-to-day life. And lose out on what the vacation was truly meant for in the first place. Sure, you got, in a, temporary, you got a temporary escape. You got a temporary reprieve from day-to-day life. But then you came back to life as usual with nothing changed. But what if... Instead of just entering back into your day-to-day life and getting back from vacation, you decided to share with someone what you've learned. What if you decided to share with someone that you trust, a, a friend, a, a spouse, a, 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 you know, maybe someone in your small group, this is what I feel like God's been showing me while I'm away. What do you think about this? Do you feel like I'm hearing from God? I, I feel like God's calling me to, to take this next step in my faith and to make this promise or this commitment to God. Would you, would you remind me of that promise six months from now? A year from now, when you see that I'm starting to fall back into the same patterns, I give you license to just 
speaking in my life because I trust you. I know you're, you're, you would do that for my benefit. I think I know what God's saying to me. I want you to walk it with me. The benefit that comes from sharing with others is we have that support network, but also we're sharing with others and they get the benefit of hearing what God's been sharing with us is so powerful. We can lose out on all that if we don't take the time when we get back to share. Look at verse 12. Actually, Psalm 62. Psalm 62 tells us that when our soul finds rest like that, that we have hope, verse 5. In verse 6, it says we won't be shaken by stuff all the time. And in verse 7, it says that God literally becomes our hiding place, our, our refuge. But we can't do that if we just listen to the messages of our culture. If we put rest aside and we focus on what the world says, which is work, 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 be a workaholic. We pride workaholics. You know, don't take any time off. There's no time for that. Our, our, our culture gives us that message and we sometimes we take pride in how much we work and how many hours we put in and how we never take time off. And why in the world do we do that? When God says to us, I expect you to not do that. I expect you to rest, not just a day a week, but for a season. So what we see in verse 7 is the importance of routinely, regularly taking those seasons of rest every year. But the second thing that I see is in verse 12. And that is that, God, that the psalmist reminds us here that we're to praise God and to share what's going on in our lives. Look at verse 12. After he reflects on all these things that's happened in his life, he says, What can I offer the Lord for all that he's done for me? He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all my people, all his people. And then verse 16, it says, O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant born in your household. You freed me from my chains. And then he says it again. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Now remember, they're reading this, they're singing this out loud together during this extended time of vacation each year. They're together in God's house. And they're, what are they doing during these special services each year as they're reading these psalms? They're offering sacrifices of thanksgiving to God. And as they're doing this, what we know from history is they would stand up before the congregation and they would share with each other, this is how God's been good to me. They'd share stories of how God's been working in and through their lives and how God's been faithful and how God's answered prayers. And as they did that, that was an encouragement to everyone else in the room that God will be faithful and will work in their lives as well. There are other psalms in this series from 113 to 118 that do the same thing. When you look at Psalm 114, I see why they read that one. That was a reminder for them. If you look at Psalm 114, what you see is it's basically retelling the story about how God delivered their whole nation from slavery in Egypt. How God worked in their lives in times past. And it was a reminder in their present situations, God was faithful then and he'll be faithful today. And when you look at Psalm 118... Psalm 118 is amazing because what it is is it's basically just a big collection of things that they remind themselves to be thankful to God for. And they would read that psalm every year and remind themselves of, in case you couldn't, I'm sure they, they would say, in case you can't think of something to thank God for today, pick one of these. Because there's a long list here that we're going to read from in Psalm 118, they would say to themselves. And there, there's power in these stories. 
There's power in reminding each other of how God is faithful and how God is good and how God is working in and through our lives because we're so focused on praying for the things that we need that sometimes we forget of what he's, forget what he's done, right? We forget how he's been good and faithful in our lives and in the lives of those who are around us. You know, this, this whole lesson, it really got driven home to me just a few days ago. I was actually visiting someone here at Gra- from Grace who was actually in the hospital and um, unfortunately, this, this, one, this lady here from Grace, she's been fighting cancer for 14 years straight. She's, she and the doctors have been playing whack-a-mole, basically, with cancer for 14 years. They would treat it with radiation and chemotherapy or chemotherapy in one spot, get it taken care of, and then it would pop up somewhere else. And then they'd treat that and it'd pop up somewhere else. And it's just been the story of her life for 14 years. And it's been discouraging and frustrating as it's gone from breast cancer to bone cancer to other places in her body. She's been awful. And just a few days ago, she received news that it's back again and it's pretty aggressive. And it was, it's easy in moments like that to get discouraged, right? To, to forget how God's been good and faithful. But you know what? As I visited her and her husband in the hospital that day a few couple weeks ago, I was amazed at how, I mean, they didn't want to talk about the cancer. They didn't want to talk about the report. They wanted to talk about how good God was. They wanted to talk about how faithful he's been. And especially, I actually took him away for, to, to lunch to the cafeteria to just kind of talk about how he was doing. And he really couldn't focus on how he was doing because all he could talk about was how God's been faithful and how God's answered their prayers. And it got almost crazy. I mean, I was thinking to myself, can you, can you think of something else to talk about? It's what I was actually thinking in my mind until God hit me upside the head and said, do you see what he's doing? And I realized as he was sharing these stories, he was trying to, it may not have been intentional on his part, but God was trying to use him to get through to me to remember as I was seeing her in the hospital bed, that God has been faithful in the past and he will be faithful today and he, will be, he is in control of this situation. And when I get discouraged and wonder, God, where are you? God was using him to remind me that he hasn't gone anywhere. As I was hearing those stories, he was reminding me over and over again about God's faithfulness. And no doubt he was doing that because he was reminding himself of God's faithfulness and goodness as he's going through the crazy challenges that he and his wife are going through. He talked nonstop for over an hour about God's goodness and faithfulness, and it was a blessing. God wants us to share. He wants us to share with Him sacrifices of thanksgiving as we thank Him for His goodness, but He also wants us to share with others those things. And He wants us to share with others what God is showing us in our lives so that we can take those next steps in our faith and be faithful in those and grow in our lives, emotionally and spiritually. The last thing that I see here that we can learn from this is in verses 14 and 18. We, we, we've seen here in verse 7 that God wants us to always take these seasons of rest. We need to be faithful in that and to have soul rest we see in verse 12 and following how we need to use that time to, to share with others and share with God how we're thankful and, what about, and also sharing what he's doing in our lives. And the third thing is to allow others to help us to keep our promises to God. Look at verse 14. The psalmist says, I will keep 
my promises to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. In verse 18, I will fulfill my laws, my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. He's reminding himself, God, these promises that I'm making on this during this time away, don't let me forget them. Don't let me put them on the shelf. Lord, use the people around me that I've shared this stuff with to help me hold on to these promises that you've asked of me. Because when we're on vacation, it's so easy to just get so busy and focused on, our, on having fun that we don't take that time to reflect. And then we come home and we don't take time to share. But when we know what God wants of us and we share that as we return home with others that we trust, we give power to those promises that we make to God. We give people a chance to speak into our lives. We, help, we can allow them to speak into our lives and to confirm to us what we feel like we're hearing God speaking or doing and working in our lives. And we create a space for these friends to hold us accountable. Look at, um, well, actually, I just read verses 14 and 18. I'll skip over that. So, the psalmist reminds us, though, in these two verses that when we share our promises to God before others, that God can work through them to help us. It's when we keep these things to ourselves and we don't share them that the change becomes harder to implement. Let me ask you this morning. When God shows you things about your life, when you decide to make promises to God, who do you share them with? Do you share them with your spouse? Do you share them with a a friend or two that you really trust? Perhaps a fellow brother or sister in Christ that you know will walk the road with you? Do you share them with your small group? Or do you just keep them to yourself? You know, there's a reason why for us here at Grace Community Church, we value so much small groups. We value intentional relationships. And we say that one of the four ways that we live into the vision of Grace Community Church as individuals is through intentional relationships. And that's because we have this tendency as Americans to live fast-paced, busy lives and not take the time to grow through community. And God wants us to be growing through community. God wants us to be walking side by side with other brothers and sisters in Christ, in faith, and sharing our joys and burdens with them, sharing the promises we've made to God with them so that they can walk with us through the journey that lies ahead. If you don't have a small group like that yourself, if you've been looking for a place to find community, to to get involved and to have that, we would love to provide you that opportunity. In fact, there's a a next step card in the seat back in front of you and we would love, just feel free to fill that out, mark that you're looking for a small group and we'd be glad to find one that's just the perfect fit for you for your schedule. There's plenty of them that's meeting all over the northwest side of Tucson through Grace. Here's what we're getting at today. I, I I hope for you despite my communication that it's been really, really clear. And that is that God wants us to share. God wants us to share with Him how we're thankful. And He wants us to share with others that thankfulness. He wants us to share with others the promises that we've made to God so that people can walk that walk with us. Some of you are being cheated. You're being cheated by an American work ethic that has gone way too far that has prided themselves in working their fingers to the bone, prided themselves in never taking time off. You've cheated yourselves over and over again each year from meaningful extended times of rest, time away, time away that God has asked you to take. 
giving up vacation time for just a little more time in the office. You've cheated yourselves out of opportunities to hear from God during these times, to learn about yourself and to reflect on your life and to regain perspective with God. If so, if that's been the case for you in the times past, I pray that as a result of this series that you will make that change, that you will decide for yourself those seasons of rest I'm going to hold sacred. Those seasons of rest, despite what it means for me and my my work, I am going to get away. I'm going to get away with my family and I am going to rest. I'm going to reflect and I'm going to regain some perspective with God while I'm away so that when I come back from that time away, I am energized. I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with promises that I have made to God and how I'm going to live my life to the fullest in ways that honor and bless Him and bless others. We can do that if we make the choice to. You know, a few days ago, I'll close with this. A few days ago, I received an email from one of you here at Grace. It just blessed me. And... Uh, I thought I'd share it with all of you this morning because it really is nailing what we've been talking about here for these last few weeks. In this email, I'm just going to pick a, a couple, a few lines here. She said, I want to thank you for this fantastic series. I admit that I was unsure of the direction you were headed with this, this idea of your best vacation ever. However, this has been very relevant to our family and it's challenged us in a totally new way. She said, we've always believed that vacations are a luxury. Often a luxury that we couldn't afford, so we didn't. When we finally did choose to go on vacation, we jammed as many activities into the short time we had afforded ourselves. And while on vacation, we were always connected back to work. My husband and I both recognize that much of this can be connected to our own families of origin. Separately, we each remember just one big vacation that our families took during our childhoods and that's really it now to change that cycle for our own family and for our children look for us to be missing at some point late this summer from grace or early fall as we begin to be more intentional to take time away that sounds like a plan to me would you pray with me lord i just want to thank you for this crazy series that you put on my head that goes all the way back to the book of Leviticus as we see this importance that you place on taking seasons of rest. Lord, some of us do that well. Some of us really make sure we've had those times, but we haven't set aside time during that vacation to hear from you, to reflect and regain perspective. And Lord, I pray that that would be a challenge for us, that we would carve out those few minutes at the beginning of the, of the day or the end of the day or maybe a day during the midst of our vacation where it's just chill. There's just nothing going on but to be with you and to relax. Lord, help us to create those spaces to hear your voice as we step away from the stresses of our day-to-day lives. Lord, for others of us, we just haven't done vacations well at all. We've put so much focus and time into our work and our jobs and our careers that we haven't put the time in that we need to to rest. Lord, we as a nation have been guilty of this. Lord, please forgive us. And Lord, as a body of believers, may we be an example to those who are around us of taking this part of Scripture seriously and why we take it seriously. Because you've asked us to do so. Lord, help us. For those of us who haven't, don't have a vacation on the calendar this summer, help us to find the time to do so. 
even if it's doing vacation on the cheap, just taking a, a few days away to, to pitch a tent somewhere, to build a shelter somewhere, to pitch a tent and, and to relax, or maybe on Mount Lemmon or somewhere, and to just enjoy nature and enjoy your creation. Lord, may those moments be truly moments of rest for us. Lord, some of us admit we haven't done this well. And some of us, Lord, I I believe that there's some in this room today uh, with every head bowed and every eye closed. I just would want to say, I believe there's some of you here today God's putting on my heart. You're in a place right now in your life where you need to, you feel like God is pushing you to make a recommitment in your life to Christ. Maybe, Maybe you made a commitment to God a long time ago, but you just kind of put it on the shelf. You just kind of thought, yeah, I need to get back to that. Yeah, I I need to make my faith in Christ a priority. But you just kind of put it on the side. And today, God is using this time to grab hold of your attention. Say, put me first. Take that time. Put me first. If that's you today, and you need to make a recommitment of your faith to Christ, or maybe you've never accepted Christ into your life at all, and today is the day that you say, God... You are my first priority. From this moment forward, I don't want to be in the driver's seat of my life. I want you to be. I want you to call the shots in my life because I know that you have far better plans for my life than anything I can come up with on my own. If either of those are true for you, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart and allow God to start working in your life as you're opening the door for God to work. Heavenly Father, we pray to you today. We come to you and we ask that you would forgive us for not taking seasons of rest. Forgive us for those moments when we've done things our own way and we've been disobedient. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of all of our sins, all those things in our past that has disappointed you, where we've fallen short of your standard. Lord, we've all, we're all guilty of it. We know that. But Lord, we're so thankful that your scripture says that when we confess these things to you and we place our faith and our trust in you, that you not only save us, but that you forget, you forgive and forget all of those things. And you put them as far away as the east is from the west. And God, we thank you for that promise. And Lord, we ask that you would do that in each of our lives. That you would forgive us as we confess that you are our Savior and our Lord. Lord, we thank you that you went to a cross and died for us so that we could live. And live abundantly. Lord, help us in the days ahead to live lives that honor and glorify you, even in times of rest, Lord, that we would honor and glorify you, that we would be an example to those around us of the goodness and faithfulness and mercy of an all-loving God. God, we ask that you would not only come into our lives and fill us with the Holy Spirit as we confess that you're our Savior, but Lord, that you would begin to change us from the inside out. Help give us that perspective that we need on life from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen.